Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. Welcome to our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And just to let everybody know, this is going to be another installment in our interview sessions. So uh, for a little bit, bit of background, for those of you that haven't dropped in before, Greg and I have been friends for a long time, and we've actually come off a pretty busy couple of weeks where we have been working a lot with each other. Yeah, you know, on a couple of different podcasts and uh, just just really uh, doing some interesting things. And just a little bit more background on us. We've both been managers for a very long time, and we have benefited from a lot of people uh, helping us in our, uh, in our development. Uh, they've been mentors. We've made a lot of mistakes. And we started this series uh, first published in July 5th of last year. And at the moment, I believe we have 33 episodes out and about. But today, uh, we're going to jump in again on our interview sessions, which uh, a lot of people have uh, really liked. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on it. And today, we're going to be talking about a book, My Worst Hire and What I Learned From It. And we're talking with the author. And uh, this chat is going to be with Greg Bissett. And we're going to be talking about his book launch, Greg. Yeah, yeah, we're so excited. Actually, Craig and I uh, knew each other a long time ago and just recently got reconnected uh, with, uh, with each other. And uh, when, I, when I heard that he wrote this book, and I know his depth of experience, which I'll share in two seconds, I thought, oh, this is perfect. Because, you know, one of the things is uh, that managers often have challenges with is in the hiring space. So uh, first of all, a little bit about Craig. Craig is the president of Hire Results, uh, a company started in 2002. Hire Results Limited is a hiring simulation assessment company that assists organizations in managing their risk when hiring by allowing hiring teams to test drive candidates before making a hiring decision. Wow, that's a, that's a good idea. Uh, Craig Bissett uh, speaks regularly to management teams on the topic of the power of hiring si simulations and the impact of this revolutionary hiring process as organizations, how it has uh, importance to the bottom line. Hiring simulation assessments are a paradigm shift from traditional interviewing and into experiencing candidates in real-life business situations. Recently, Craig published his first book, My Worst Hire and What I Learned From It, uh, at www.myworsthire.com. The book is a compilation of 50 interviews with accomplished business professionals on their worst hire and what they learned from the mistake. This book is available in all bookstores, e-book platforms, and on the myworsthire.com website. Craig has been married to his high school sweetheart, Kathy, for 38 years, 45 years, including dating years. I do that too with my wife. We, we, ours has expanded beyond there as well. Not quite as, as far as long as yours, Craig, but it's getting there. It's getting there. I think we're, we are 33. Um, and he also has four grown sons and three grandsons. So welcome, Craig. We're, we're, I'm excited to uh, have you on our show and get a chance to talk a little bit more about this important aspect of uh, hiring. Boy, oh boy, so important. Yeah, Greg, I uh, really appreciate uh, the opportunity. I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. Wow, cool. So as, uh, as, as uh, Alistair uh, shared, you know, over the past six months, we've been sharing our experiences and learnings around the struggle to be a good manager. And boy, oh boy, one of the critical roles of any manager is hiring the right people. Uh, and uh, I love this idea of simulation too, and really being able to see a person in action. 
uh, which uh, if we have a chance, maybe we'll, well, it's not on the question, but maybe I'll ask a little bit about the simulation up front, and then we can dive deeper into the stories because we want to, part of this podcast is actually just learning from our experiences. And you have 50 stories. We're going to get you to narrow it down a little bit, but 50 stories of, and often we learn from the things we, we mess up. Uh, but key is whether we can learn from it. So before we dive into that, maybe just tell me a little bit more about this assessment process that you do quickly, and then we'll dive into actually the book. Yeah, Greg, this, the story is really simple. Uh, you know, before I started the company in 2002, uh, I was a partner in a large uh, staffing company. And before that, I was a partner in another staffing company. I spent quite a few years in the business. And at the time, um, our, our company was really struggling in that we were getting a lot of phone calls back from clients. Uh, saying, you know, we interviewed Mary, we interviewed Peter. Uh, they were great in the interview, but, uh, you know, we've got a problem with it. They've been here two months and what we saw in the interview and what we actually are getting on the job are completely different. And I, I as, as one of the owners in the business, I was really struggling with this. And I was at the cottage. I was talking to a, a neighbor who was an airline pilot. I was telling him about the problem. And he said, you know, Craig, in the airline business, when you're hiring airline pilots, he says, just because someone comes into the office for an interview telling you that they can fly a good plane and that they uh, know all about planes, uh, he said, that's just a little too dangerous in the sense of going on what they tell us. So what we do is we finish the interview, then we take them down the hall into a flight simulator and we say, look, what you just told us, why don't you just show us? And when Dan at the cottage said that, I went, oh my goodness that totally makes sense. And from that three months later, I resigned from my partnership, started the company from scratch uh, 19 years ago, and uh, we've had tremendous impact, specifically, uh, you know, in organizations who have struggled from hiring, which is the majority of companies. Well, you know, that's a, I love that story. Of course, one of my jobs was actually at Porter Airlines. So I totally understand <laughs> the idea of uh, simulations and that. And I, and I kept thinking of that um, DiCaprio movie about uh, the guy who would walk on and, and uh, act as if he was a pilot. I'm glad he wasn't flying mine. And boy, oh boy, what an, uh, you know, as a leader in an organization, how many times uh, have we hired folks that looked fantastic? They had all the stories even, you know, they were well prepped for the interview. Uh, but then as they got into our organizations, they just fall flat for a ho whole bunch of reasons. So what a great, uh, uh, great a tool. And I can imagine why it's so valued. So, um, Hey, uh, just let me jump in there for a second. Greg. Yeah, I, sure. gotta, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, Greg, that I'm feeling really guilty right now because I don't know how many times when I've gone into a hiring process, where the HR person has suggested to me that there be some sort of uh, uh, exercise or something more than just an interview. And I blew them off and said, you know what? I'm a good judge of, of character. I'm sure this is going to be fine. I got to tell you right now, you've already got me starting to think about a whole bunch of things and a bunch of situations I've been, done in the past. And I just wanted to share, I, I wanted to unload my soul, but just to let you know that there's probably a lot of other people that are listening to this already going, oh my goodness. Well, you know, Greg, Greg brings up a really good point, Alistair, and, and our belief in our business is that there really is no relationship to how someone interviews and how they execute. In many cases, it's completely different. Uh, and, and if that's the case, you know, if some of your best interviewers are your average at best employees and some of your average interviewers are some of your best employees, you've got a flawed mechanism for assessing candidates through a traditional interview. Yeah, I think that is really important. And we are going to get into the book and the stories, which is really yeah, important. Yeah. But I love that comment because, 
you know, sometimes people just aren't good at interviews, but they're amazing uh, contributors to your organization. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing I talked earlier about how sometimes some people can show up with all the right answers, but there's others who can show up and just can't, it's just, they can't perform very well in interviews and you miss yeah. out. Okay. So it's as much as missing out on those great talents as it is in uh, kind of being led, uh, not, you know, uh, honestly, people that are, are good and, you know, they show up in the way they are, but fit is so important. How they'll work in your organization, what is important, those things are all really critical. And uh, so I love this intention. So, Greg, what's really interesting, uh, probably about 70% of our business is in the sales, sales management world. We haven't gone after that business, but it's come after us because they're some of the hardest people to hire because uh, they're good at selling themselves. But here's what's interesting about that. Uh, there's a lot of stats uh, out right now saying that some of your best salespeople that you're going to hire are going to be borderline introverts. So if they're borderline introverts, that, interview, uh, introverts, that means that they're probably not going to be the greatest in the interview, mm. but they're introspective. They, they think they, you know, they really want to make sure they understand what's going on with the client. But what we tend to do, and it's one of the stories I'll share with you is what, what we tend to do is we tend to go for the person who's just flashy in the interview and who can talk a great talk. So it's, it's really interesting to see. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, let's dive into the stories. But before we do, I just want to get a little bit of background of how you came to writing a book. You've been, as you said, you've been in the business a long time. Long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you must have started when you were four. No, it was um, uh, so you've been in the business a long time. And then all of a sudden this year, you you decided, hey, I, I want to write a book and publish a book. So tell me a little bit more about it. And I'm interested, of course, because I, well, I also wrote a book over the, over the uh, uh, last little while, but I love your, your un, kind of what, what reached the point to write a book? Well, it's, again, I, I didn't start it this year. Interesting enough, I started it 10 years ago. Uh, and the, the premise of the book or the genesis of the book uh, is that <clears throat> in our business, uh, in the simulation world, we get to know the hiring managers and the owners and the senior management quite well. <clears throat> and once we earn their trust, usually they will take us aside and they'll say, you know, Craig, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story of, oh my goodness, you're not going to believe this one. And, but more importantly, they would say, but let me tell you what I learned. So about 10 years ago, I went back to my wife and I said, you know, I really think there is a book here. There's a, there, you know, there's stories here that people can learn. And then <clears throat> unfortunately we had a situation in my family with my mother. She, she got ill out in Vancouver and it was kind of like a six month process of going back and forth. And I put the book on the shelf because we just were so busy with work when I got back. But when the pandemic hit, our business went being, from being extremely busy to almost going over a cliff for about two and a half months. So I was sitting at the dinner table, and, table one day and I said, you know, Kathy, maybe this is the time for me to pick up the book again. And uh, we had only done about five, six interviews, uh, you know, way back. And between, uh, in about two and a half months, we did the 50, finished the 50 interviews and uh, we completed the book and it's now out on the the market so that's kind of the, the the story is that it wasn't really my idea it was it was these hiring managers these owners who were telling us these incredible stories and i mean some of them were really funny some of them really scary and some of them you just kind of shake your head going i can't believe that happened so <laughs> well that's a great segue uh craig uh this podcast is all about uh 
Greg and I missing the mark in our development as managers and as leaders and uh, some people around us as well and, and learning from uh, our own stories and from other people's stories. So um, could you share a couple of your favorite stories from the books about misses and, and, and maybe some of the learning points and some of the, the, um, the wisdom yeah. that has been unearthed by that? Yeah. Yeah. So the book, you know, my worst hire and what I learned from it, that it, it the, the basis of it is that short stories, the reason we went with short stories is that we find that majority of people who pick up a business book never finish it. But if we could, it's like a soup for the soul, read a short little story, but the short story is a setup for the nugget. And so there's, there's two stories here and I could, have, I mean, there's so many of them here, but, but one of them is from a fellow by the name of Chris Barrett. And Chris is a really interesting guy. He started uh, years ago. He's, he's just, I don't know, Chris is probably 40 plus. But he started a, uh, uh, a couple of pubs when he was in university and did very well. And from there, got into the internet business uh, and now runs a very successful um, online marketing company. And his story is, he, he titles it, The Cost of Hiring Number Two. And the story is interesting because in his role as CEO, they were acquiring another company and through this acquisition, uh, they needed to um, hire a senior manager. And uh, they had two candidates that came forward uh, and uh, the one candidate uh, that they wanted to put an offer from was, was definitely the number one candidate, quite a bit above number two, but number two was okay. They put the offer together, they had not delivered it, and they got an email back from candidate number one saying, I'm sorry, but I've just accepted another offer. Um, I'm not available. And the team went from being so excited to totally depressed. And the question was, what do we do now? Well, the team said, well, look, we've got number two. Uh, number two was good, not as good as number one. And they, they thought, oh, number two is probably about 80% of what number one was. So they hired number two. Number two came on board. And what they found within six months was that number two, who was at 80%, was now bringing the team down to his, his level. So now the team that was producing at 100% were producing it at 80%. And his whole point is just be careful that when you're hiring, if you have two candidates, uh, if number one says no, just make sure number two is as good uh, and or can actually attain it. So in the book, the, the learning nugget that uh, we have, it's on a separate page. Chris says, never compromise when hiring management. If your number one candidate turns down your offer, resist the temptation to hire the number two candidate. Go back and search for the next number one candidate. The cost of hiring number two, if wrong, will be multiplied throughout the team. Great wow. little learning nugget. That's so good. That's so good. So uh, did you want to talk about that first or do you want me to just kind of give you a quick uh, number two? Let's get number two. Let's get, okay. let's hear this stuff. Sure. Yeah. So the second one, again, uh, this is from uh, Tim Cherney. Tim's in the States. Uh, his, his story is called promoting your top salesperson to manager. And I think we all understand this one, when we're, where this one's going. But he was an EVP of a, a large firm. Uh, he had hired about 100 people within the organization. And there was a need to uh, hire a new manager and a new sales manager. He, he put a internal posting uh, up within the whole organization across North America. And, but Tim in his mind knew who he wanted to hire immediately. And that was his number one salesperson. Uh, number one salesperson actually applied for the job. 
And some people internally heard that number one had applied for the job and it was all like, oh no, I, I just hope number one doesn't get the job. Tim comments in the book that he really didn't even interview the, uh, the top salesperson. He just had a conversation, didn't even explain the job to him and made a, a big uh, announcement to the organization that this individual had been promoted. Uh, there was grumbling within the organization. Within six months, uh, Tim had to demote the salesperson, sales manager to the back to sales uh, person. Within that time frame, he had lost one of his salespeople, and his new sales manager, who he had just demoted, left the organization. And within three months, took quite a few of their clients with them. So there was a significant impact. But the whole story is, is that just be careful that your top performer from a sales perspective is not going to be your top performer from the sales. And his, his little nugget says, the attributes you see in an employee or a candidate are hardwired and coaching and guidance will have little change or impact on the person's action in the long run. Be aware that, the mo that most top sales performers do not make great managers and great sales managers. And you should be extremely careful before promoting one into a management role. So those are two quick stories. I think we can all relate to them as well. Yeah, that's a great, I love the, uh, I was a whole bunch of pictures were, were jumping in my head. Um, and you know, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell uh, last year did a whole podcast on this exact topic, sales manager being promoted and different um, criteria. What does success look like? What do you need differently in a lead, a manager versus, uh, and there's more data around the, the, uh, the, the uh, lack of success of promoting your top salesperson. But I, I love the, um, something that's running through my head is this whole idea of self-pressure that we put on ourselves in these situations and uh, the first one in particular is uh, you know I gotta we gotta fill this gap you know and uh, the first the first person is gone and therefore we gotta jump to that and uh, I, I you know how important it is is it in in kind of holding space uh, in these situations and really you know, not jumping, because often they're jumping, you know, in both situations here, I think are quite interesting. I jumped to the second person. And then in your second story, you know, I jumped to my first gut reaction of probably someone who is similar or had success without really pausing, bringing people around the table and saying, what do we really need here? Uh, what's most important and as leaders, I think sometimes we get in our heads of I know what we need. Uh, and the combination of pressure of making decisions and I know what we need often creates disaster. And I almost think as I listen to those two stories, both kind of uh, may be a part of that. Uh, that first story, like, I'm not sure what you said in the second story, but the first story just hit me so hard because I remember I was new to management in a new organization and we were hiring for a bunch of positions. And my, my, my manager was in on the interviews because I was, I was fairly new to the organization. I remember we had this conversation and it's probably the best advice I ever got from, uh, for hiring people, which you're now confirming was we were sitting there and afterwards uh, he goes, Alistair, you realize that if we don't see or feel that we have the right candidate, we're going to shut this down and do it again in two months. I am not hiring somebody and then fighting through some probationary period and doing all this stuff. If the right people aren't here, 
we're shutting this thing down and we're going to start up again with a, a fresh perspective and, and everything, you know, some clarity to the situation. And we're going to do it again because it's too costly to hire the wrong person. Yeah. You know, the, so, sometimes the best decision is no decision. Sometimes the best decision is not, not to make a decision at the time. And with regards to just our simulation business and the experience, especially the, the, the example, I, the, the story number two story is that, Many times a sales manager or a, a top salesperson thinks they want to be a sales manager until they get in the job and they go, oh, this is not what I really want to do. So what's really interesting about the sales simulations or the simulations when you put them in the context of a salesperson becoming a sales manager is that you're actually allowing them to start feeling what, so that, what this role is. And you want me to put these reports together compared to actually just go out and you know, spend time with clients and you want me to do this. And so you, you really are allowing the candidates to do their due diligence as well and to experience it rather than experience it on the job when it's too late. Yeah, and you know, the other thing that I've heard, uh, which builds upon that, Craig, is that, you know, in our corporations, our companies, and even in life, we have this image in our head that we need to be a manager, um, that that is something that is a higher level and we move away from our unique gifts because yeah. of what we think is that highest level. So a lot of organizations are really looking at even their compensation packages, having different pathways that recognize these unique um, strengths to say, and, uh, but a simulation, you know, sometimes you, it's what's in your head and it's what you've been told and it's what you think, but a simulation allows you to actually sit into it and say, ooh, <laughs> you know, as much as I, love, I want the title, yuck. That's really not something that gives me energy, um, moves me to my best level and all those type of things. So I really think that that's, um, you know, one is finding those different pathways, but providing that experience of actually living in what you think is your quote dream level role or whatever, especially in sales is, is really powerful, I think. Well, the, you know, over the years, Greg, we've had so many stories of candidates through the simulations who have backed out of an opportunity because they have actually seen something or experienced something that really has opened their eyes. And if, if I can just share really one quick story, which is a fascinating, this is a vice president of sales role where the, the owner of the company was hiring a vice president of sales. The, um, the candidate came into a, a meeting with the general manager, the owner, uh, the controller, and one other person. And they were in the meeting with one of our consultants. The candidate came in, was involved in these simulations, uh, left. Uh, our consultant did a quick little uh, review with the candidate, what they thought. The candidate said, thank goodness I went through these simulations because this is not the company for me. And our consultant said, what do you mean? He said, well, we were just, I was just in that meeting and it seemed like everyone in the meeting, before they spoke, they looked to the president to see what the president was gonna say. And it was kind of like, they always went with what he was gonna say. He said, hey, that's fine. I've worked in that environment before, but I can't work in that environment. He says, Craig, we would not have seen this without, I would not have seen this without being in the simulations. The funny part was our consultant went back into the meeting and before our consultant sat down, the president stood up and said, that candidate is exactly who we want. Perfect. So our consultant said, well, that's great. He said, uh, but maybe you and I can have a, a quick little conversation. They excused the rest of the senior management team and our consultant said, let me tell you what the candidate just told me. He said, he loves your company, thinks you a great opportunity. He said, but this company is not for him. 
because he, he basically sees you as a bit of a dictator, everyone not doing anything until they actually get your approval. And the president laughed and he said, he's absolutely right. He says, this is my company. He says, I put all the money into it. He says, I am so glad that candidate saw that now. He says, because he would have lasted about two months. So that's the whole idea of allowing everyone to kind of candidate and team to better have, get better understanding. Yeah, I think that's really powerful um, uh, and and important. You know, I, in my book, Safe Brave Spaces, it's about helping people understand who they are, uh, what yeah. they want, what they bring, and also the kinds of cultures and environments that they can be most successful in. Because it's not good and it's bad; it's just what is that cultures that exist. And it's so important for, to your point, both the person who's hiring and the person who is being hired potentially to find that connection because um, fit and, and within a culture is so important and uh, you want to create the best opportunity for people to be their best going yeah. forward. Yeah. So that, those, are, those are great stories. I wanted, I wanted to just shift us because, um, you know, one of the things that we, we also um, uh, talk about is, is what can we do differently? What are the kind of the big nuggets that you have, you have discovered through both your simulation and as a recruiter and as someone who's hired people? If you had kind of your top three most important suggestions you would give managers that would help reduce the, the uh, likelihood of making a bad hiring decision, what would those three big things be? From a management perspective, number, yeah. one, number one is to realize is that you're an emotional being and you get, get, you get caught up emotionally. And you've got to step away from emotion and you've got to look into logic. You, you've got to be able to have some sort of mechanism to look at it almost numerically rather than emotionally uh, and and to look at how to, just very much what you said Greg you know everyone has these different gifts and um, but you got to remember when you're in an interview it's a date everyone's on their best behavior that that candidate's not going to get any better than that person is when they're going to look the best they're going to smell the best they're going to have the great answers it only gets downhill from after the, after the interview so so the, so i would say the first thing is that you got to be very aware of your emotions and you got to step back and you got to slow it down a little bit even if everyone's saying we got to hire we got to hire number two and we have a great story in the book about this about a company hiring a ceo is that you're real and you brought this up great you got to know what you're looking for. You really have to understand what you're looking for and the, how that uh, that requirement complements your team. And to be able to have a checklist to make sure that that, especially in a competencies and an attributes perspective, that how that candidate fits in. Uh, and then uh, I would say um, check out the candidate. And what I mean by that is, you know, everyone talks about. Um, you know, references don't do a lot, but I'm going to tell you, and we have a couple stories in the book, um, you know, the importance of referencing if you know how to ask the right questions, but more importantly, to, from it, when you're doing referencing, to listen to what people are not telling you. Mm. And we, uh, we have one fetter, Peter uh, Petter in the book, and his, his comment was, be very careful about referencing and, and what references say but also be able to look at it from a different perspective. But he said, you know, if someone is telling you that someone is good or someone is telling you that they're very good, he says, they may just, they may be good. And he said, if they're telling you they're good, they may be average. And if they're average, he says, be very careful. So 
just anyways, those are some three quick mm. points. I really like that, Craig, because one of the things I learned from uh, some very experienced managers is I love the support that HR gives me in a hiring process. I, I love all the work they do and the, the pool of candidates they get. But when it comes down to that last one or two people and we're doing reference checks, quite often I find myself doing them because I want a real sense of this person I'm thinking about, you know, rolling the dice with. And I like to ask some uh, hard questions. I like people to actually answer those questions. And I love that advice. To me, it's something I learned the hard way. But fortunately, there's people that went ahead of me that, you know, shared some of this wisdom with me. And I really like the idea of asking some good questions and what aren't we hearing is such a, it's such a loud thing for me. And, and you've just re, you know, confirmed that, that everything anybody's ever taught me about doing reference checks and stuff. Well, it's just, you know, we've got a story from Braden Douglas in the book and uh, he, he talks about the, the senior hire that they made, which is a mistake. And in, uh, in, in the story, again, the short story, but he says, you know, at the end, uh, a fellow CEO called him up after and said, I'm really surprised you hired that person. And, and what's interesting is that we all have the ability now to, through LinkedIn and whatever different, you know, connections that we have, is to find somebody who may know someone who knows that person and to just kind of uh, with, with very casual conversation, um, get some, some comments. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's organizations that protect themselves with regards to not giving references and totally understand that. But there are ways of getting information on candidates, especially if you're concerned about certain things. That's awesome. Um, let's just flip to the employee side and let's let's see uh, get some uh, some of your thoughts about some of the things that people uh, potential employees should think about uh, during the search and interview process. Do you have like a, a you know two or three points on what people should keep in mind when they're on the other side of the table? I'd say I'd say the exact same thing I said to you about the clients. I, I would say number one, know what uh, make sure you understand it's emotional, uh, and and again from the date perspective. And here's the interesting part I find especially in sales, sales management, is that a sales manager is probably one of the most emotional people in the organization and, and presidents. And they can become very passionate about their business and they get off track on interviews very quickly. So if I'm interviewing Greg and I really like Greg quick, uh, you know, very quickly, I now go into sales mode and I don't go into investigation mode. I go into sales mode and I'm now selling Greg and I'd say from a candidate's perspective, be very careful. Make sure you understand that organizations out there, if they like you, they are going to sell you uh, sell, sell you on the opportunity. And again, secondly, what I said about the company, I'd say about candidates is know what you're looking for. Have a checklist because sometimes you're looking maybe for the wrong reason as well. You know, you're mad. You didn't get your bonus, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a short term, you know, you're, you're upset for a small amount of time, but that time may be the time that catapults you into start to look. So really understand why you're looking, what you're looking for. Again, have a list of some of the things that you're looking for. And again, I would say just like checking out the candidates, I'd say check out the company. Make sure you understand uh, the organization, the resources that they're going to be able to provide you or the lack of resources. And there's some great stories in the book about that of, you know, hiring someone who comes from a large organization, comes into a small organization with a lack of resources and the person is used to having resources and can't handle it. So there's a lot of different things from a candidate's perspective as well. I'm uh, conscious of the time that we have with you and uh, very appreciative of the time that you've uh, put aside for us. So I think uh, in the closing moments here, uh, we have a little bit of time for kind of a wrap up. So Craig, do you, do you have some uh, final thoughts, some uh, pearls of wisdom that you would like to share with our, our listeners? 
I got about 50 pearls of wisdom. It's in a book. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not smart, but the people in the book are pretty smart. Uh, I would say, you know, the the years that I've been in this, this, um, this business, one of the things I recognize is that when you make a hire, you have the chance of improving someone's life or nothing stays the same. Either it gets better or it gets worse. And I'd say from a hiring manager's perspective, you got to remember that is that when you're hiring someone, transparency is critical. That, that person that you're hiring has a financial obligation to their family. Uh, and uh, you make, you do a wrong, you get, you get the hiring wrong. You can impact that person emotionally, financially, um, all, all those different things. So just be very careful when you're hiring. And I'd say from the candidate's perspective too, uh, same thing is you got to remember is that you're playing with your, your earning abilities when an opportunity is presented to you. So just make sure you're making the right decision. Greg. Yeah. You know what? I love so many great pieces of wisdom in this, Craig. I really appreciate it. For me, it, 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 it almost comes down to Craig in the, in our last episodes, we've talked about the last five episodes we've talked about. This is, is the importance of planning up front, really understanding what you need or as an employee, what I want, uh, what, what are those core things that are really important? Um, and then that whole idea of emotion, you know, really be present and, and aware of that emotion i thought that i think that's really important and then the last thing is just follow up and double check and do your work to understand because it i i love the the summary of how this is people's lives and and we spend so much time at work and it impacts both other people in the in the job it impacts our families our friendships outside if it if it doesn't work so this is such an important aspect so some of the things that you've suggested and recommended, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, reading actually uh, the details of your book, uh, but your stories are intriguing and I can't wait to, to read the additional 48 that we did not get to dive deep into today. That's great. Yeah, yeah thanks, Craig. This has been really good. And, and uh, the word perspective just is popping in my mind uh, as a result of this conversation. Like, you know, what are we doing? Who are we hiring? Let's take a step back you know, do I want to get hired by this company, that thing. And, and I I love the storytelling aspect of your book here, because uh, I think we all recognize that listening to stories is one of the most effective ways of learning that uh, a little bit of theory doesn't hurt as well, but learning from other people's experience and, and you, you put together this, this great book of experience for, for us and our listeners to, to take advantage of. So I'd like to thank you very much for that. And my big thought is, is perspective. Like, what am I doing? You know, who am I hiring? Why? Or uh, if I'm looking for a job, why do I want to work at this company? Is this for me? Will I fit? Those types of things, taking the emotion out of it, as, as you both have mentioned, is such a big thing sometimes as well. So uh, I just thank you very much for coming on the show. And, and Greg, I think this is another one of those shows where... Uh, you know, your philosophy is, you know, so important in, in what we've heard. Yeah, Craig, we end each show with a, a really a learning of philosophy that I, I was gifted in an early coaching session. And now I try to create the same space when I coach. And that is that uh, uh, the best sessions are ones in which you leave with a little bit of joy and a little bit of churn or a little bit of peeve. So the joy is, Oh, you know what? I am doing some of those things. I am on track, you know, that that resonance of really making moving in the right direction. And the churn or the peeved is if they've heard something that that they that's really kind of 
shifting inside, creating that churn to say, oh, I either don't do that or I'm not sure I believe that. Both are beautiful opportunities for learning. And we say we hope in each of these sessions that we create a little bit of joy, a little bit of churn, and that that each listener takes those things and says, okay, what does this tell me? What can I do with it? And how will it help me to be a better manager? So we, we hope that uh, people have experienced that today. Well, that's great. I really appreciate the opportunity, Alistair, of meeting you and Greg, good seeing you again. So just to remind our listeners, uh, the book is called My Worst Hire and What I Learned From It. And I'm going to put uh, the link in the show notes. It's www.myworsthire.com. And that will be in uh, the show notes for everybody. And uh, I'd just like to thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, and remember, uh, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They're an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.